everyone, I'm Monique. Welcome to the Find a Friend podcast, a podcast where we cover lifestyle, career, and more by finding a friend and hearing how they do what they do best. I hope along the way you learn something, feel inspired by their stories, empowered to ask questions, and motivated to achieve your own powerful goals. Let's do this. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of the Find a Friend podcast. This week, I'm leaning on my favorite expat friend, Shelby, a native Houstonian who's currently living in London, England. We've both done the working holiday visa in Ireland, as well as grad school in London, so I thought she'd be a great resource to compare stories and reassure you that life abroad is possible. Let's get right on into the episode. Hi, Shelby. How are you? Hello, I'm good. So happy to be on your podcast. Awesome. I'm so excited. So for everybody who didn't listen to the intro closely enough, today we're going to be talking about um, our working holiday visa experiences and then our grad school experiences because we both happen to do them and we both happen to grow up in Katy, Texas, which is really crazy because we didn't know each other. And then we ended up going to university (laughs) together. So we have a ton in common, although I did not find my husband abroad, but you know what? Say la vie. Anyway, that all aside, (laughs) we can kind of just jump right on into it. So do you want to just tell me a little bit more about you and where you've been and what you're doing now? Sure, yeah. So my name is Shelby and I'm from Houston, Texas. I really do wish that we knew each other growing up because life would have been a lot more convenient coming out to Brunson City <laughs> than Houston. Exactly. Um, went on to study at St. Edwards University in Austin for my bachelor's degree, actually where we met. And then um, that's really where I started to think about studying abroad because there was just a wealth of information about it all over campus. So I ended up studying abroad twice throughout college. I went to Edinburgh um, the first summer after my freshman year of college. I went there for a month. And then I went to London for three months the fall semester of my final year of college absolutely fell in love with it. So I was trying everything I could to go back. And so I decided to go back to London for my master's degree. And that's where I met my now husband, Johannes, and pretty much stayed there ever since. Uh, We had a pit stop in Dublin and we were living and working in Dublin for around a year and a half. And that's kind of where I started my career. And now I'm currently living and working in London again. I work for a study abroad company called International Studies Abroad, and they're actually the provider company that I studied abroad with when I went to London for the first time. So it's full circle. Full circle, full circle. So going back to to grad school, how did you decide that you wanted to go? Because I feel like there's half the people that say, okay, you know, it's a natural next step. And I mean, I took a, a couple of years off between undergrad and grad school. So what motivated you to go back. Yeah, I actually originally wanted to take a few years off. I wanted to start working after I graduated uh, my undergrad, but my mom had always told my sister and I that, you know what, you're never going to want to go back to school once you start working. And mom's no best. She was absolutely right. (laughs) Because I wouldn't want to go back to school right now, now that I'm working a full-time job. Mm -hmm. Um, I always did want to go to grad school. um, 
And I think the way that I did it was perfect for me because it just felt natural going straight through from my undergrad to grad school. So it was just like continuing, continuing on for a year. And the program I did was only a year long. And Which now I'm just great. working. Yeah, yeah it's perfect. <laughs> and so had you looked into grad school programs in the States or how did you even find out, you know, about grad school programs in, in London? Uh, yeah, so I did. I, I looked for both. Um, so I think when I finished my study abroad program in London, the my three month one, I was pretty depressed <laughs> when my program was over. So I was trying everything I could to get back to London. And at the time, I was working for the same company I'm working for now, but just in their headquarters in Austin, Texas, just like right around the corner from St. Ed's. And my job there was basically to promote master's degrees abroad. So I was constantly on the phone to alumni of our study abroad programs, telling them about the opportunity to go back. And so I knew like the ins and outs of each university especially in London. So I just kind of took my own advice. And thought, oh, that, actually, that actually sounds quite nice. I might do that myself. Like, uh-huh. That would be a great way to go back and spend a, an extra year in the city that I love so much. But just in case it didn't work out, I don't know, for any reason, like financial-wise or something, I decided to also apply for grad school in the U.S. So I think I actually reapplied at St. Edwards, if I'm not mistaken, and then a few other schools in Texas. So yeah, I just, I kind of covered all tracks, but I was so happy that it ended up working out in London. Yeah, that's awesome. I think whenever you were wrapping up your program, I was getting ready to go on mine. So I definitely relied on Shelby to kind of advise me through the process as far as, you know, what it took and what it didn't take. So like, you don't have to take your GRE, which I was like, check, sign me up. Yeah. Um, and it yeah. was only a year. And that's what kind of motivated me to go abroad. And then I think the other big thing is that people don't realize that you can apply for FAFSA and like use loans. So people might think, you know, oh, it's this much a year. Like that sounds really expensive, but you can totally apply for FAFSA. And I mean, I'm still paying my grad school loans, but I think if I had done a grad school program, at, you know, at U of H or whatever a local school, I think I might've been in the same boat anyway. Also like tuition as well is so much cheaper, specifically abroad, like in London than it was at all the other universities I was applying for. So that's another major plus. And the duration of exactly. the program as well is cut in half. So exactly. just one year. And it would have been triple the cost, double the duration in Texas. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it just makes sense to me. Postgrad was in what? I was in international management with human resource management. For me, like I did a communications master's more or less, um, just because I knew I, I kind of wanted to do marketing. But what? It, why did you choose to, to make that little shift when you did your postgrad? Um, I was really confused and really <laughs> unaware, really unaware of what I wanted to do. Um, I studied communication in my bachelor's because, you know, it's really broad. There's so much yeah, to do with yeah. it. And at the time, I was really getting into the field of international education because I started working for international studies abroad. I really liked that. And I mainly just wanted to go back abroad. And I also was getting into the idea of human resources. So because it kind of goes hand in hand with communication. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. I was thinking, um, yeah, maybe I'll go into HR. So I really want to find a an HR degree. And that's 
really what prompted me to choose that. Although now I'm back in international education. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but again, I mean, it, it all goes hand in hand. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And tell us a little bit of the structure of your program, like as far as like the length and the class schedule, maybe even like the class sizes. Yeah, so it's really not as rigorous as it would be in the U.S., I feel like. I thought um, so, too. Um, so I had three classes, three or four classes, I think, in the fall, three in the spring. And um, so my schedule, I basically had class twice a week. And then the other three days, I was able to work part time. And I did the same in the spring. And then classes finished for me, I believe, the end of April, beginning yeah, of May. Yeah. And I was able to just work on my dissertation throughout the entire entirety of the summer, mm-hmm. which was amazing. I mean, I would do that summer again. I was actually really nervous about writing a dissertation. But um, if you think of it as like a full-time job and you just kind of wake up early, get started, have a lunch break, finish around yeah. five then it's, it's okay and I was also traveling as well throughout the summer um, but that was really it for the program and again I didn't expect that either I thought I would have classes all throughout the summer but it was the same for you right yeah and um, we didn't really talk about this but we did go to two different universities for our grad school program so I went to the University of Westminster and you did Roehampton right for your postgrad yeah yeah Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So we're we we're talking about two different programs and two different universities, but we kind of had more or less um, the same rigor schedule, I guess, if you will. Um, and then I think the other thing that kind of surprised me was that, um, that yeah, that it that it did end so early, and then I guess that the the classes also seemed to pick up a little bit later. Um, so I think I started like maybe the last week of January, so maybe like a, a week after like my friends yeah. had gone back for for grad school here. Um, but then they just wrapped up so much earlier. Um, the other thing that surprised me was that um, the grading structure, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember them explaining oh, yeah. it more or less that like, you know, you're never going to get above an 80 in this class. Like if you have, you know, a 65, 70, like that, that's a solid grade. And like, even if you have like a 55, that's fine. And I remember that was a big adjustment because I was like, what? Like That everything makes no oh, sense yeah. to me. And then in, in my program as well, I was also surprised that there weren't a bunch of of British students or even English students um, in my understanding. And of course this was about three ish years ago, maybe, but um, they were explaining it to me that I guess masters aren't as big of a deal as they are here yet. And um, exactly like here it's so competitive and, and even now um, going up for promotions and stuff like that, that a lot of my colleagues do have masters, um, but I also work in STEM. So that might have something to do with it, but that over there that apparently that masters are like just now catching on. So my classes were super international. I mean, I'm talking like 70% Chinese. And then <laughs> like, I was the only English speaker in like two of my classes, like the only native English speaker. Really? Um, yeah. And then there, there were only a couple of Americans. Yeah, it was exactly the same for me as well. I think we were we were a small program, only I believe fifty five mm-hmm. uh, students, and me and myself and one other student were from the U.S. 
and there were only two British students as well. Everyone yeah, else that's was crazy. completely international. So we had two Germans, <laughs> and we had Turkish, a bunch of Chinese as well, um, Norwegian. Um, I don't know, for everywhere from all yeah. over the world. It blew my mind. India as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it just made class so interesting because I never had that before. Mm-hmm. I, not even at St. Edwards, I don't think. I mean, there were a few internationals at St. Edwards, but not to this capacity where, you know, class discussions can really go off on a tangent because everyone's chipping in from like what it's like in their own country. So, I mean, it just really makes class so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree. And so kind of switching over to the other side, then what are some cons do you think, or have you experienced any cons to doing grad school abroad? I really only think of pros. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's great. Um, But no cons, I guess, of course, the big one is being, Uh, far away from family and friends. I mean, that can be difficult, of course. It's not as easy to uh, get back home. And I mean, there is still quite a long Christmas break where you can go home as well. And then you have the flexibility to travel or go home if you want in the summer. But that would probably be the biggest con. And then maybe I would also say housing, yeah, specifically, true. specifically to London, maybe, because it is quite expensive. But those yeah. are really the only two I can think of. The only one that I can really think of, I mean, besides being away from your family and friends, is that my, so I applied for FAFSA when I got my loans through FAFSA and all that, and that my uh-huh. loans didn't distribute, like, on a appropriate schedule so like all my stuff was due September 1st but like my loan didn't hit to like September 25th so then I had to like scramble and like get the money together to pay for like I don't know a third of my program up front which it wasn't like crazy expensive but it was still just super inconvenient and then I had to wait for oh, like a month yeah. and then the funds like needed to drop into UK bank account and so then I was like scrambling to set up an account and like finding somewhere to live so like my finances were like a shit show I don't curse on the podcast probably have to cut that out but <laughs> my finances were like a shit show in the beginning because like nothing was where it was supposed to be so I think like getting set up with the bank too was also kind of a hassle. It took me about a week. I ended up getting set up with Barclays. Who did you end up setting up with? Uh, Barclays as well. Okay. Barclays would be really straightforward, pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once I found them, it was great, but um, I lived in a student accommodation for the first semester and it was, you know, everybody was like, oh, this is who I use. This is who I use, but they were all like Europeans. And I think for them, it was a little bit easier. So, but yeah, I had no trouble with Barclays once I found them and then they were really nice about everything. Um, And then the other thing with banks, since we're on that topic that I like couldn't get a card like that day, like I had a like get one in the mail, which I thought was really inconvenient because here you can just go and get like a temporary card. But I don't think that I could get a temporary card there. I think like I had to wait to get one mailed in the mail, which also was super annoying. Anyway, that all aside, (laughs) that all aside, how did you, going back to housing, how did you find housing when you got there? Oh, I think I did it in the worst way possible. Um, (laughs) It could have been much easier for me, but you know, I'm, I want the challenge, don't I? I, um, <laughs> I could have applied to live in a dorm on campus or actually the same one that you lived in, um, Spring News. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have applied for that, 
but I was worried in the beginning that I was going to be living with a bunch of freshmen who, yeah, you know, yeah. had a completely different mindset to me going in for my master's degree. So I was so determined to live in an apartment and find my own roommates and all that. And my mom was freaking out. <laughs> Shelby, I really need you to have something sorted before you fly. I had nothing sorted. When oh I my God. Um, but it, you know, it, it's okay because uh, I was working part-time for ISA mm-hmm. in, at the time. And um, I flew in three weeks before school started. And she kindly, my manager kindly let me stay in the ISA student flats for my first two weeks. Oh, that's um, nice. And then while I can kind of search for housing and find something. So, I mean, in hindsight, I probably should have just booked a dorm and, you know, made it easier. But yeah, I... I made it really stressful for myself. Um, it doesn't have to be that stressful. <laughs> so, it really doesn't. Um, but yeah, uh, the university I went to, Roehampton, they had an amazing platform on their website where you can, it's like a housing platform for accepted master students. You can talk to other students and kind of find housing with them, find someone who has a spare room. There's also spareroom.com in London, Mm -hmm. which is handy. And I, you know, the day before I had to move out of the ISA flat, I found something. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Just in time. Yeah, just in time. No, (laughs) it worked out. Yeah, yeah. And I, so I, of course, like I said earlier, had gone to grad school um, the year after Shelby. So I kind of got in touch with her and asked her, you know, her opinions of things. And she got me in touch with um, a student accommodation. And I kind of had the same fear that I was going to be living with like undergrad kids. And that actually came true. So I just had like the craziest roommates. And so I ended up moving out like right after Christmas break. I put myself on this wait list where if someone else wanted to move into the student flat that like I could move out. And so someone took over my lease and I ended up finding a flat literally in the block behind the student apartment. Really convenient. And it was like half the price. And I ended up sharing a flat with two people from the Czech Republic and then a girl from Australia. And I saw them maybe twice in like the nine months that I lived there. And it was super awkward. I never saw them. We didn't have a living room in the flat. I mean, it's not glamorous. It is not glamorous when you're like a student and you're trying to figure out where you're, you're trying to, I don't know how your, your housing flat was probably super cute in Chelsea, but mine was like (laughs) subsidized housing not super great but I mean it was fun because it was in zone one and it was really central and you know it was in London something today it was pretty good much better than mine mine wasn't no mine wasn't cute actually it was in the worst area area of Roehampton like there's a good and a bad area of Roehampton I was living in the bad area yeah I mean it worked it was fine for the time but yeah not not as glamorous as you would think exactly um and so for people that are thinking of going to grad school abroad what would your advice be I mean specifically in London don't do what I did I I actually left everything for the last minute Um, (laughs) but I 
<laughs> so don't do that. I think it's actually pretty easy um, once you apply. The application process is fairly simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to worry about an exam or anything. And once you have your visa, once you have everything, just kind of, I'd say, obviously, the easiest way to go is maybe get a dorm on campus or try and sort out some sort of housing accommodation before you arrive. But it's it's not as difficult as I made it sound. Um, and also, <laughs> um, also, if someone has studied abroad before and is going back, just to know that it's, it's a completely different experience each time you go back. And um, that's something I wish I knew because I, I had already been in London before for three months. And so going back, I was super confident about it. I mean, not that I shouldn't have been confident, but um, it's just, it was a completely different experience, um, not having the same people I used to have there yeah. and just kind of going about doing things on my own. Like I was completely on my own for the first few weeks and just to know that that might happen, but it's completely fine. And once school starts, everything's going to be fine. I mean, that's where you're going to meet everybody, but yeah, it was hard um, initially. It's not easy, but it's definitely worth it in the end. Speaking of the working holiday visa, so let's jump into that. Um, so mm-hmm. how did you find out about the working holiday visa? So I actually found out from you. <laughs> from yeah, that's right. Um, we, for real, switched lives for a year. Um, I, I really wouldn't have known about it if you didn't tell me, but I'm sure maybe if I did more research, it would have popped up. Yeah. Um, I was at the point that was when I finished my master's in London and um, my uh, now husband, I'm just going to call him Johannes. <laughs> um, at the time um, we were, yeah, boyfriend and girlfriend, but Johannes and I were trying to find uh, a country where we could live together because he's from Germany and he wasn't able to move to the U.S. I wasn't able to move to Germany for some reason and London wasn't really working. So you popped up at the right moment, Monique. <laughs> you messaged me. me at, you saved the day. Um, <laughs> because I think you were trying to look for um, grad, grad school, school in London. Yeah. And then I was conveniently trying to look for what you just did in Dublin. So we just kind of switched places. <laughs> Literally. And so how was the application process for you? For me, I feel like I found out about it in like November and and then by the end of December, like I had my visa in hand, like it was super smooth for me. Oh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> <from> my, <laughs> that's, I, mine was smooth as well. I think it was just pretty rocky because that was a really stressful time for me. I, I thought that it was going, it, I didn't think it was going to take as long as it did. For me, it took two months and um, that was the first time. Johannes and I were not seeing each other for like that's when we were long distance and I just wanted it to hurry up as quickly as possible because it was just annoying being long distance but it took around two months um three total I would say because of you know the flights and just getting everything ready yeah um but the application process was really straightforward. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the application process. And um, they, I just noticed that it was going to take 
some time for me, mm-hmm. but that's awesome. Yours only took a month. I guess Maybe it, it was like two months. But I mean, it is really smooth. The application process. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't difficult so at all. Yeah. It's just the waiting process of getting it back and it shouldn't take more than two months. And so how did you find housing when you moved to Dublin? Um, how did I find housing? I, there was a website I think called Daft. Daft. Yeah. That, if I'm not mistaken. Is that what you use? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I used Daft. Um, and then also, actually, how we found our apartment. Um, Johannes always joins these groups <laughs> on Facebook uh, called Germans Living in Whatever City. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sure there's one for Americans yeah. as well, if anyone's looking for that. Um, actually, I think that there is. Um, but yeah, he joined Germans Living in Dublin group on Facebook, and this German couple left. Uh, they wanted to leave their flat and posted it in the group, and then Johannes said, oh, my gosh, we should go look at it, and then mm-hmm. it just worked out. Um, so we got it because of his Germanness. <laughs> 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 yeah, I had, no, I think that as well is uh, really good. Yeah, yeah. When I got there, I stayed in a hostel for a week, and it was so not glamorous, and I was, I could not find anywhere to live, and I was going to, like, housing appointments or whatever, but then they were like, well, what are you doing for work? And I was like, well, you know, I'm just trying to, like, figure out where I'm going to live first, and I guess they just thought I was, mm-hmm. like, a super entitled American, like, that I didn't need to work, that I was there on, like, daddy's pocketbook or whatever, but <laughs> I was like, no, like, I just need to figure out where I'm living, and then I can find a job. Like, obviously, to move there, you have to have, you know, X amount of funds or whatever. I was like, so I can pay rent. I said, just, just trust me. But I'm getting, like, declined. So after about a week, I ended up finding this couple who were, like, in their 40s, and they were renting out their master bedroom, which I still don't understand, but whatever. So they were renting out the master bedroom, <laughs> a private bathroom. And so I lived with them, and they were from Brazil, and they were really cool. I never, again, I never really talked to them. I was never really there. But, um yeah just was not like I was expecting to like rent a little like townhome and like it was gonna be so cute and like I was gonna live next like an Irish grandma and she was like gonna make me stew every day like everything that I expected just did not work out that way and then halfway through I ended up moving in with some friends but I think that's all part of the adventure and I think it's important to remember that if you're going somewhere like that you know that it's for a set year that you can kind of you know compromise on some things that are not gonna pan out maybe the way that you want them to like having the like ideal flat that overlooks like Phoenix Park and like you know yeah crazy (laughs) expectations and so what advice would you give to someone who's not looking to work in London because I feel like I tried so hard to find somewhere to work after grad school and it was just not working out and I don't know if it's because it was Brexit and everyone was just a little hesitant to you know maybe hire internationals and this is all speculation I don't know enough about politics to speak to that but um I just felt like it was so hard as an American to find something so do you and I don't I don't know any Americans that got hired on um from my program like into full-time jobs so what advice would you give to someone who's looking to maybe stick around after grad school yeah it is pretty hard and I actually have this conversation quite a bit with our students because I'm working a lot with American students who are studying abroad here yeah and some of them come to me saying, I want to stay, I want to stay and work, or I don't know, start my career here. And it, it really isn't 
that easy, unfortunately, because you pretty much have to find a company that's willing to sponsor you, basically saying you're the only one who can do this job, which Mm -hmm. is why we need to sponsor you, which is very difficult, especially if you don't have any connection to any sort of company. But um, something that I always say, I mean, depending on where you are in your career, if you had just studied abroad, for example, I would always suggest maybe coming back and starting with an internship and then kind of networking your way up and seeing if they would like to, to keep you on. Because I work a lot with interns here in London and um, actually some of the companies that I place interns at uh, we actually just had a case this summer where she, the company absolutely loved one of our American interns and said, I'm going to hire you with sponsorship whenever you graduate in May. Wow, that's so, awesome. And that also happened with two other companies as well. So it's definitely possible, but I think it's better to start small. So start with an internship because you can get, I believe, um, you can work and live in London for up to six months Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then after that you need sponsorship or or some other way of living here and I I'm super lucky that I don't need the sponsorship because I I'm married to an EU citizen so it's much easier for me but it is difficult um, because you you do need the sponsorship but um, even if someone works for a huge international company in the U.S. and wants to maybe try and transfer abroad, that's always something as well. I know a lot of Americans who come here for that reason. It's yeah. possible. Yeah. I know, like, transition, like, rotation programs where you could work for, like, six months here at a company and then they will, like, send you, you know, abroad and you can work. I think there's, like, something about nonprofits. I should have probably researched this before I came on here. But something about, like, nonprofits <laughs> and, like, that you can um, work for a nonprofit a little bit easier than you can work for, um, like, a regular company. I don't know if that's true or not, but I met a girl at a marketing conference a couple weeks ago and she was saying that she worked in like a tiny little village in the middle of nowhere in England and at a nonprofit that she was like, they're marketing. Definitely possible. I think it is really challenging. I've yet to like crack the code, but I will keep y'all posted. If I'm able to crack the code, (laughs) you'll know about it because I will be telling everybody. And then kind of just our wrap up question, what are some of your favorite things to do in London besides Winter Wonderland, which I am so stoked that I might be able to get to go to here in a couple weeks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What? Oh, what don't I love to do here? There's so much. And that's something, that's something, I mean, that's why I love this city so much. Like, there's just so much going on. Um, I love going and exploring new areas in the city. Um, I love going to markets, so food markets, fashion markets, all the markets, I'm there. Yeah. Um, and there's a ton of them all around the city. Um, all the shows, the theater shows you can go to, um, gosh, just, oh, there's so many green areas in Mm -hmm. London, so there's a Mm -hmm. ton of parks, and they're absolutely stunning, so I love just going for a stroll in the park, or if it's nice in the summer or spring, you know, having a picnic. Last summer in London was amazing the weather we had a heat wave so from (laughs) from the end of april until the end of august it was so warm and every single weekend we would go into the park 
and just have a picnic and play frisbee and read a book. And it was just, oh, it was my favorite thing to do on a Sunday. But yeah, there, I mean, there's just so, so many different areas that you can explore in London and um, they can surprise you. And that's just uh, what I love about it. Yeah. And so much diversity. I mean, from like Chelsea to Brick Lane, where you can mm-hmm. get all the Indian food and then Chinatown. And then, you know, you can go up to, um, Hempstead. The movie's called Hempstead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. And, you know, I just discovered Hempstead, I think, last year. Yeah. Um, we, we used to live in an area called St. John's Wood, which is just 15 minutes away from Hempstead by bus. And when we went, I was just in awe. It is the most beautiful little area of London. If I had the money, I would live there. It's so <laughs> cute. It's, it's so perfect. Expensive area in London, I'm pretty sure. Even oh over God. Chelsea. It's, but it's gorgeous. Yeah. And it's like, it's just what you imagine, like a cute little like English village that's still like in close proximity to like all the stuff that's going on in the city. But just yeah. like when you get there, you just feel like you're in a completely different world. I love it. So if yeah. Going to London, they should definitely make the time to go. They have like a huge park. You can like ride bikes, and they have like I think they have like a little lake in there too, I, which I've never and seen. You can but, swim. Okay. Oh, can you? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, you can swim in the lake. It's amazing. I haven't oh done it, gosh. but I know that you can. That's funny. Um, yeah, London should definitely be on everyone's list. So it's a great city. Uh, well, that's a great place to end on. Maybe I'll get sponsored by tourism in London after this episode. <laughs> Keep y'all posted. Okay, so um, Shelby is not, she doesn't have her own business. I mean, you know, I'm not going to like say, everybody go follow Shelby's like private Instagram. <laughs> um, but if you have any questions, her, you can always DM me and we can feed them to her and, you know, we can get y'all some some advice if you're looking for it and um, definitely advocate doing the working holiday visa. You can do it in like Singapore and South Korea. I mean, there's other places that you can do it too if, if Ireland's not your jam. Um, and if you're looking into grad school, I mean, London is... I mean, I would advocate it all day long. Um, so Me definitely, too, yeah. If any, yeah, if anybody has or is wanting any advice on that, um, definitely can, can, you can DM me and, you know, we can go ahead and answer those questions. I think it was such an incredible experience. And I know everyone's always like, it was once in a lifetime. And it was so great. But this was actually like once in a lifetime. So great. So definitely advocate it. Um, so we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited. Yeah, Details of this episode can be found on our site, findyourfriendpodcast.com. Keep up with us on Instagram at Find a Friend Podcast and be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your fave podcast. Thanks for listening.